Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for September 13th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. Uh, this week we will break down the Central Division and some of the better moves that teams made and some of the not-so-great moves that teams made. And we're also going to kind of catch up on some of the news, which we'll start right away with. And the big news, Cody Franzen finally signed with the Buffalo <laughs> <laughs> with the Buffalo Sabres. And it was for two years and $3.325 million each year. We've spent a lot of time talking about him on this podcast. And, um, you know, maybe one of us has discussed him maybe being a Buffalo Saber. Oh, do, do, do. do you want to toot your own trumpet anymore? So I think it's a very good move for Buffalo. I've highlighted why I've thought that in the past, but they have the cap space, they have the need, and they're trying to um, start to develop winning. And the nice thing about this contract is he's more more likely than not he's going to contribute positively to the Sabres. Uh, they, they don't have many good defensemen that can get the puck to their uh, really nice-looking group of forwards. And there's also not a no-trade clause. So it doesn't include a no-trade clause. So say he's playing really well and, you know, someone gives him a call and they get an offer they can't refuse, they can make that happen too. No, look, he's still 28. So even if he does go through to the end of this contract and hits 30, um he's still got an opportunity to, to make some good coin. And, I mean, the Sabres aren't actually physically paying him a truckload of money in the second year of his deal. So it's almost like they've set that up to have him traded at the end of the deal because the team that takes him on won't be carrying a lot of his actual salary. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it's a really nice structure for Buffalo. It gives Franzen um, not quite the market value some people including myself thought he was going to get i i thought that he was looking at a five-year 25 million dollar kind of contract obviously didn't happen but i think the teams that would have wanted to have given that to him physically couldn't it just wasn't there to give so it's where he ended up no that's a good point too that some of the teams that have that need did just didn't have the room pittsburgh being one of them uh boston Columbus needs a defenseman, but they couldn't even figure out the the Airhoff for $1.5 million thing. So there were teams with needs. They just couldn't afford that higher cost. But some of these other veterans that are left out in the dust, they're, they're signing PTO contracts. At least Franzen didn't have to go down that road. No, that's, there's that, there actually is quite a few PTOs popping up and around, aren't there? I think Fleischman today or yesterday uh, with Montreal. Okay. Which, you know, when you look at the Alex Semen signing and now Fleischman in there, uh, really cheap, those are two decent veterans, uh, very good value. That, you know, are only going to be there for a year if they screw up. So the risk-reward is, is definitely in favor of Montreal. Which is what they need because they weren't very good um, – possession team so the more quality players they can start to pick up the better um, something else interesting on the PTO front that I, I heard yesterday was Yuri Tulusti still without a contract but I can't peg who reported it they said he's turned down five PTO contracts 
and that he wants a contract or he's going to going to Russia. Yeah, and I don't blame him. He's 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 above a PTO contract. He deserves a, a normal deal. And if uh, nobody in the NHL wants to give it to him, uh, go play a year or two in the K and you know make more than five hundred thousand or whatever the minimum is. Well, yeah, it'd be crazy to to stick himself in that in that little hole. I don't think that would be wise at all. He's only 27. He's an effective depth forward. I, I don't. It's it's kind of weird how some of these players have uh, slipped through. Sean Bergenheim being another one. Mm. That'll have, probably have to take a PTO, which is it, it's just strange to me. You see some of these other players that sign that you're just like, geez. <laughs> And, and then players that have been, at least on the analytical front, effective, uh, still out there. So probably gives the feeling for me that they've not not everyone's jumped across onto the analytics side of things, which is the thing that always sort of baffles me in that sense. You'd think that every team will be doing whatever they can to get whatever edge, and if you're one of the 10 teams that aren't using analytics it seems as though at the moment you guys are behind the eight ball of everyone else I'm trying to think if there are any other names that are out there for um no nothing i can think of that sort of stick out and make you go well you know i think franzen was the biggest name left he was in regards to people floating around so looking on track. Uh, good on Buffalo. Good for Franzen. I think uh, it'll be interesting to, to see. Uh, be really interesting to see what the Sabers do record-wise now, because they were a top four defenseman short from really even flirting with the idea of playoffs. So at least now they're legitimately on the outer edge, in my opinion, looking uh, to compete. Mm. I I like their forward group. I think there's a lot of guys that will be slotted in appropriate roles this year, uh, given that O'Reilly, Kane have come on board, that kind of, uh, as we like to say, that trickle-down effect. Yeah. Reinhardt and Eichel, who I uh, believe the Sabres rookie uh, tournament team, they won 6-2 to two over the Devils uh, last night, and Eichel had an assist 25 seconds into the game, so... <laughs> that was good, and Reinhardt split the D and scored a goal. So, you know, they they've got some some interesting players. I'm I'm going to be very interested to see how Buffalo go about resurrecting them being terrible, and looking at it comparatively to how uh, the Oilers have struggled to do so in regards to what Murray does working out constructing the team where he thinks they need to improve next. I like they've improved in the back end with Franzen, but they do need to make sure that the timing of the defensive development of that team, whether it's via free agency trade or draft picks, times out to when the key forwards of that team are at their peak. And that's that's so hard to get right. Well, they've got some younger guys that I think are a, a little bit underrated by the, the general uh, hockey fandom. 
Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen is going to be a pretty good player. Uh, he's not going to obviously hit a ceiling next year, but he's a very good player. Mark Pizik's going to come up from Rochester. Uh, he's He is one of those prospects that has promise at the NHL level. I know a lot of people uh, like to think their prospects are going to go on and do these things. Um, most don't. I personally think Pizik, um he's had a, a little bit of NHL time, but he's done a, a really nice job in Rochester in the AHL, so I think he'll be up there full-time. And uh, kind of under the radar, Carlo Koliakovo, if he stays healthy, has really good underlying numbers, and he's not really he thought of. So for a bottom-pairing guy, that's good too. Where they run into trouble, they got like Mike Weber, Josh Georges, uh, both those guys aren't really terrific and Zach Bogosian I think his uh reputation precedes uh what what reality is I oh, look I have to admit that would be my thought process on on Bogosian I quite like the way he plays and have always felt like injury have stopped him from blossoming into what he could be as a hockey player and um from the sounds of it his numbers would probably prove that that's the case. He's someone that looks good but can often underwhelm. Yeah, his underlying numbers aren't really all that terrific. Um, or, or at least lower than what you would probably think. He's got bottom pairing possession numbers. But his offensive production is top four for points and a top pairing for goals. So I think that's where... Uh, you kind of see with your eyes, like, okay, talent here, points, yes, look good. Um, but then you kind of uh, use the numbers um, for stuff that maybe you overlook, and the possession's just really not that good. So it's a weird kind of, yeah, we got some tangible offense here, but uh, kind of living in our own end a lot. And he's getting have... top-pairing minutes, like total, like tons of minutes, so... And that's what he—that's what he's going to get in in Buffalo as well this year. It's got a feel for me that if he was slotted perfectly as a number four, he'd be really, really good because he'd probably play against a level of opposition that he could not just hold his own with, but um, be better than—not dominate, but be better than. So it'll be interesting to see where he slots down into the lineup. They're probably going to have to have him as a top top pairing defenseman. So um, yeah. What happens with, with Bogosian will probably dictate where that team sits, I think. Well, interesting is that he's right-handed, plays right D. Franzen is right-handed, plays right D. And in his uh, initial interview with Buffalo said, I don't play lefty. And that's what <laughs> that's what Nashville did. They, they played him lefty, bottom pairing. And people thought, you know, he wasn't good. He's given a bad role, outperformed it. That said, it's not hard to outperform a easy role. But uh, Rasmus Ristolainen also right-handed, right D. So who's on the bottom pairing? Well, are they overloaded on the side on the right-hand side then? Pizik is right-handed, but can play left side. So there's that. Because, you know, Franzen obviously made it pretty clear right there that he's not playing left side of the, of the rink. So. He may be the bottom pairing guy. Who knows? Exactly. Um, yeah. So 
it's the fun part of this part of the year. Get to the first ten games of the season, and it all starts to sort of settle down and shake out. So it's it's good. It's good. We got to see some NHL sweaters out on the ice over the last couple of days. It's been great. Yeah, rookie tournaments are starting. Um, every year that these happen, uh, people get excited over certain players, how they look, and it's just a really difficult time to evaluate players because they're playing if we're being honest we don't you follow a few teams you know their prospects but you don't know all the prospects for all the teams so you can't really gauge how great a performance is without really knowing the opposition and what level they are mm-hmm. and i just i like to temper expectations i i think training camps a better gauge of where a prospect is when when they're competing against uh, known commodities in the NHL rather than these tournaments. But with that said, it's really nice to to see hockey after not having it for a long time here Uh in September. And there's, of course, um, prospects that may not ever make the NHL that are are really talented um, in this setting and, and fun to watch as well. I'm just glad that it's back. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Um, I was watching a little of the Pittsburgh one, uh, and and the thing that I took from that, aside from like uh, the Penguin-specific stuff that I wrote about, was uh, the three-on-three overtime is awesome. Yeah. Yep. Dan- totally agree. Yeah, Daniel Sprong is uh, Pittsburgh's top forward prospect. He's... He's the one that scored on a breakaway in the three-on-three overtime to end it. But what isn't on the highlights is he (laughs) had his own entry about 30 seconds before that, crossing the offensive blue line, where he just pulled up, was kind of looking for help like he should, but he totally shanked whatever attempt he was making, turned it over. Montreal turned it right up the ice two-on-one, hit the post, Pittsburgh D got it off the post and uh, chipped it up. The next guy chipped it up to Sprung for the breakaway. And everything like that in a matter of 30 seconds, it was really high octane, uh, very fast. Uh, You can really see uh, the potential for these superstar elite NHL guys just going after it. And and that's really great. But it's one of those things where you kind of got to feel for the Montreal guys, they beat the goalie, they just didn't beat the post, and they lose. And that's the thing with three-on-three. Hopefully teams will go out and attack rather than not lose. Hopefully they'll play for that extra point. So we'll see what happens. It'll come down to attitudes. I I know that you get there and go, there's only six players, six skaters out there on the ice. You can't really coach it, but you can have a philosophy that says do not lose as opposed to go out and win. Mm Mm-hmm. Shall Any we? other news? No, I don't. I don't think there is much. Oh well, Versteeg was traded from Chicago. Uh, just another example of them kind of shedding some salary. I don't think they made off too well on their return, but uh, you know they they got to start shedding somewhere. No, well, that's they don't really have a choice, do they? But we could easily use that as our segue into our Central Division best and worst moves, and we could start. Right there with Chicago. So, best move. 
uh, the sod trade. Yep. And and that was strange because the initial reaction was, oh, my God, I can't believe they traded Brandon Saad. But Marco Dano could be his equivalent. We don't know yet, but he'll be given the opportunity. But the part of that trade I like, um, well, I like the Dano part, but uh, Artem Anisimov, they've, they being the Blackhawks, they haven't always had the best center men uh, behind Taves. I mean, they certainly, the results have been great. I mean, they won a Stanley Cup with uh, Martin Hanzus Mm -hmm. as uh, their second line center, which is incredible, considering he's one of the slowest guys going. But um, Anisima, very good. Uh, Toivo Teravainen could be their number two center, but... For now, if he can't be, they have Anisimov who can fill that role in that kind of Hanzus role, although I would say Anisimov's better. Yeah. And Teravainen, if he takes over 2C, uh, Anisimov, perfectly slotted, third-line center, and, and that's a first time in a while they've had that kind of look. And you get there with it, and they've still got most of the key components of, of that team. You've got, you know... Kane and Taves, Seabrook, Keith, Jarmuson. Um It all looks pretty good for me. I think Trevor Van Riemsdyk's going to have a good year. So those predicting the demise of the Blackhawks might want to be careful in that context. They've got issues cap-wise, but they've still got a pretty good roster sitting there as it is. And if they can create cap space, depending on who they do, do or don't move, um at the deadline, they're as good as any team to have a crack. It's not a demise, but they're no longer in at least what I'm looking at. I don't consider them like one of the super runaways like they have been. They're not heads and shoulders ahead of everyone else. That's I think that's the, the reality. They're just ahead. <laughs> because um, one of their negative moves, well, we'll save that one for Dallas. Spoiler. But you can't guess what it is. <laughs> um, the I'll, I'll, I'll use another uh, negative move for Chicago though, and that was uh, Trevor acquiring Trevor Daly, who I think is a overrated defenseman for Dallas. Are they planning on slotting him into basically where Roosevelt was? Is that the is that the thought process there? No, I think it's going to be uh, slotting him in. Oh, do you? Okay. Right, all right. So I wouldn't have Here, Here's the problem with Trevor Daly. His his possession is below bottom pairing level. So technically they're going to have to either shelter him with a great partner or sheltered minutes. Good news teammate should help him in that department chicago's a good team <laughs> yeah uh to be fair to mr daly uh top pairing offensive numbers for goals assist points so that should stay where it is given you know the teammates that he has now true um, very good point. and and you know at times it probably seems like i'm undervaluing the offensive side of it but i just think uh, the underlying possession stuff is more repeatable at times like points, especially from a defenseman. What's a great year for a defenseman for points? Forty. 
Yeah, 40, 50 is awesome and 60 is ridiculous. So every other game you get a point, but every game, you know, the possession thing's real. You're contributing every game to that. That's that's more of a steady presence. Uh, but, and he's really bad on that front, but he's really great on the other front. So it's, again, it's the, the two extremes. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with Chicago. I mean, if Crawford gets injured and Darling comes in and actually plays well, there'll be rumors around that they'll want to trade Crawford to get some cap space back. So we'll see what happens in amongst all of that. Any others for Chicago? No, because we're obviously going to talk about the stars, so... Don't jump the gun. Colorado, alphabetical. Oh, we're going to go alphabetical, are we? I don't okay. know. I, I just, just giving you a hard time. We can. <laughs> no, no. We'll go, to the, we'll go to the ranch. A few okay moves. I think. I think they did I don't, okay. I don't They're not to... great, but... I don't know what to think about the Boshman signing. I'm not, I'm not sure where I stand. Just age and length. How long's the length on it? At least three years. So this year, next year, and the year after. Not brutal, but that third year may be a little dicey. Yeah. At four and a half mil, but beggars can't be choosers their, their their defense core has been complete crap for a while and it's really stifled their great forwards they don't get the puck with speed they're always picking it off the glass and then they have to chip it in and go chase it's a lot of wasted energy because their d just haven't been good enough yeah no i agree with that what'd you think of the Soderberg? um they they certainly paid a premium for it yeah. Uh, a lengthy period at that, too. And he might not be slotted appropriately. He's a third-line center. But with Ryan O'Reilly gone, you know, they may, may be asking a lot of him. Maybe. Most likely will be. But, Maybe. I mean, should they, have, should they not have Duchesne and McKinnon playing one and two down the middle? Pretty sure Duchesne's been playing wing for a while. This is no, but this is what I'm asking the question. Like, do you not go and slot Duchesne back into what is is his natural position and have McKinnon play at his natural position and put Soderberg where he should be? Like, it's the it's the bit that I just I don't understand with this Avalanche roster at times. I don't know where parts fit. They've got some high-quality talent up front. There's no doubt about that. But where they all fit with each other is sort of what baffles me a little bit. Yeah, it's a little jumbled. Yeah, because if um, McKinnon's their number one center, at least what I think. Yeah. Do you put Duchesne on his left wing and again on his right wing? Where does Landis Cog fit in as a left winger? Uh, can Alex Tangay still play? You're asking a lot of Blake Como at 2.4 million to even kind of pretend to do what he did with Malkin. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like Blake Como had a really good year last year, uh, but I think it was uh, situational. Probably, and we'll we'll know that pretty early on. I think not a bad player, 
But if you're thinking it's, if you're thinking top six, you're you might not get what you're expecting. He's a bottom six forward that has the ability to fill in in a top six role, and you don't With want to have Malkin because everybody yeah, it, has the ability to fill in in the top six role with Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, I suppose so. But you know you know what I mean? Like, you, you get there with with guys like Como, and, and good for him, he got paid, but the Avalanche shouldn't have paid that much for him because he's not a top six forward. So, I guess it's tough. I, I don't think any of these are, like, super positive or negative. They're just kind of moves. Yep. They're sort of lateral. I don't know whether they really know what direction they want to take the franchise. I don't think they know. Well, they're definitely one of the teams that certainly isn't uh, paid. They don't like the number stuff. No. So the question is then what do they think you actually require on the ice to win? It's, it's probably how I'm starting to look at hockey teams now is what do these teams think are required to actually win playoff games? And I don't see a direction with Colorado with that. You know, Boston was all about destroying teams. LA is was about being physical and wearing teams down and having the puck. Chicago was just have the puck. So I, don't, I just don't know what Colorado is intending to do to win it. Well, if uh, McKinnon gets 130 points, Duchesne gets 100, Varlamov wins the Vesna. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Outside of that happening, they're in the wrong division slash conference. Yeah, yeah I agree. Although I will say, uh, moving Ryan O'Reilly stings because he's really underrated. But they did get uh, Zadorov uh, from from Buffalo, Nikita Zadorov, who's had some. I don't know, un- unprofessional moments, I guess. Like, he's <laughs> been late to things, and, like, the, the, there's been whispers of attitude and whatnot, and it, it's tough to, you know, tough to know how much to value it when you're on the outside. Yeah. But um, he's certainly a talented individual, and they, they certainly need that on their back end, so that could turn out to be a, a positive move for them. Uh, they've still got plenty of cap space. If they do have a great start, they've got options to do stuff later on. Tyson Berry's really good. Underrated player. 2.6 mil. Be an RFA next year. He'll probably get a nice raise. Well, will he get it from them? He's an RFA, so yeah. So this is the thing, like, if they don't if they don't pay attention to the advanced stats and you're saying, are you saying he's underrated because people don't think he's any good or just that his numbers are better than people perceive? I just think he's kind of caught in Colorado and not a lot of people are paying attention to him. But I think if you watch him, you'll be like, wow, this guy skates really well, does some nice things with the puck. He's pretty good. I think if you watch him, you'd be like, yeah, he's good. So the reason I asked that question then is that it's like, will he get a decent raise over that 2.6? Because if they're not going to pay attention to the advanced stats and his manager goes to use the advanced stats to, they go, we don't care. 
this is where it starts to become interesting for me in regards to perceived values of what's required to win. Well, you know, Colorado had that great season where they had 100 points. Um, they were very similar to what Calgary did last year. Really poor possession, really high PDO, and, you know, that was a low-hanging fruit to predict that they weren't going to make the playoffs the following year, and they and they didn't. No. And it's the one thing with Calgary that when we do get to the Pacific is that they've made moves to make sure they weren't the same style of roster. They have tried to correct some of those holes. And just on Tyson Berry, quickly, top pairing in all offensive categories, top pairing possession. So, I mean, he's, he's really good. Yeah. Yep, but you wouldn't know that. I do. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks to the good old internet. Um, all right, so we'll move on to the Dallas Stars. Yes, your uh, pick for the 2014-15 Central title. Did they do enough to get 2015-16 Central title? Uh, probably not because they've still got the same problems where they had them last year and that would be their back six and in their net but that forward group is going to be so much fun to watch and why is that what do they add oh but it's pretty good pretty good pretty good trade for them uh 5.9 mil for two years isn't gonna that's not a problem for dallas and kind of exactly what they needed at least up front yep no, it's, it's, and I think one of the best moves for them is the fact that Nchushkin's going to be back healthy. So getting him healthy is, is probably a great move if you want to look at it in, in that sense as well. So um, they look great. The only issue you've got is how does everything sort of work in the back end? Can Oduya still produce like he did in Chicago with less support around him. Yeah, but let's be because... honest. Um, getting Oduya um, for around the same money as, as Daly and shipping Daly out to get Sharp is is a really nice move by them. At worst, it's lateral with Oduya. But I, yes. um, I think Oduya's, well, Oduya's slightly better possession but he's not anywhere close to uh, those offensive daily numbers but do you really need the offensive numbers with that forward grouping no you just want the puck on their stick as opposed to them chasing it around so if they do you can slightly improve that ability for the stars to have the puck more then then i think you're right i think you're in front in regards to um, what they get with Oduya as opposed to what they get get with Trevor Daly. So, I don't know, we'll see what happens. I mean, that whole roster has the potential to do so much um, and it could all get hindered if that back six just don't do anything. I used to give Goligoski a hard time in Pittsburgh, but he, he's okay. He, he's a good... He drives play in the right direction. He's got... Uh, great skating, good puck skills. Klingberg, what a great, nice, out-of-nowhere uh, yep. player he's been. Uh, Jason Demers, I think, where'd he come from? San Jose? San Jose! Right? Am I right yeah. on that? Who'd they yeah, no, get right. rid of? Yeah, yeah. Funny. I can't remember. 
They did a straight... It was just a one-for-one. One. I just can't remember who it was that they shipped across to San Jose right now. It'll come to me after the podcast. But Demers, um, his ice time is that of a bottom-pairing guy, but everything else is top-pairing. Offense, possession. And that kind of reminds me of... Uh, Franzen, also bottom-pairing minute guy with, with better underlying numbers. Ian Cole of Pittsburgh, similar. I guess the question is, when you raise the role, uh, can they maintain that standard? Or do you just go with getting this great production out of them at their current role? Let's leave them in that role. Like, where do you where do you sit in that situation? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you want to take the risk and hope that if you give them more difficult roles, they improve or they don't fall backwards like that's the the challenge when it comes to usage is you want to put players in positions to succeed you don't want them to fail their d their d's a little bit better than i think we're giving them credit for goligoski klingberg oduya demers and even jordy ben is not a liability So, I think the big the big thing for me is they're spending ten point four million dollars in net. Yes, and that's not what you want to be doing. But when you get Sagan for five seven and uh, Ben at five two, when both those guys could be closer, well, not quite double that, but yeah. eight nine mil. I guess, I guess you can be a little bit more liberal with it. But I agree with you. You never you never like to see that ten mil. Uh, actually, ten yeah, ten and a half. Um, but I'll say this: Lettinen starts off poorly again. Like their goaltending was not good last year. Nope. At least, you know, they have a guy that they can put in there and expect to handle a starting load. It would not surprise me if they platooned the two of them this year and then just went with whoever was hot in the playoffs. Would not surprise me at all. And I don't know whether that's a great idea if you look at how that works for St. Louis. No, you're right. But nice thing for Dallas going into this year, I think they've gotten better, and I think some of the teams that uh, were ahead of them have gotten worse. They weren't, and they weren't far off. Like, you know, they had a good, strong finish to the year, so... I think not making the playoffs this season coming would be a disappointment for the management and, and for the players. I, I would expect them to get there. Yeah, barring uh, another Sagan injury or something like that. Yeah, I, I agree. They should be a playoff team. Yeah. But that, that statement you made just said is for every bloody team, isn't it? Like, it, it, that's how tight it is now to try and get into the playoffs, particularly in the West. You lose a key guy for two months and... And New they did last of... year. They lost Sagan. Oh, and they lost Nichushkin. For... I'm expecting great things out of that kid this year. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, Dallas finished uh, seven points out of the wild card. But they were still 41-31, and 31, so it's like... Yeah. Just shows you how tough it 41, is. 41-31-10, but yeah, they're, I yeah. mean, that's, that's not a bad record, but it wasn't really... Even in the, they weren't sniffing a playoff spot. No, no, no. But then that's that'll be the thing. Like, how will they go when they start playing games that matter? Because they were they were never going to bridge that gap. 
and they played some of their best hockey when there was no pressure. So we'll see. Yeah, we will. Uh, the next team up, Minnesota, they kind of look identical. They, I don't think they literally did anything. They bought out Matt Cook, which I think, you know, that's fine. He's he's not very good anymore, and he's probably not worth the headache. Uh, yeah, tick, tick on both of those. I mean, he was at one point a very good third-line player who uh, – you know, created headaches through his dirty play, but the third line level play was that of a upper third line guy, and you're like, huh, well, we'll deal with it and hope he doesn't do things. But when you start to not be a, an effective player and you still have to deal with the other stuff, it's, it's just like, all right, we're not doing this. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. They obviously feel pretty comfortable with what they've got, and I think they're they're big. If you look at it from Minnesota's point of view, their big move was to get Devin Dubnik signed and go. He's our number one, and we have him for a full year. We'll get the goaltending we should, and we should end up winning the division. Because their possession at the start of the year when they were getting terrible goaltending was outstanding, and then it kind of flipped. They got great and goaltending, and the possession yeah. kind of dipped. Yep. It was weird. Not the goaltending so, part. That made sense. They, they had bad goaltending. Got a good goalie. I just don't know what happened to why the possession slipped. Um, I don't know. Because they were a the top five team beginning of the yeah. year. Could be the fact they were getting goaltending. They got slack. Got sloppy. Good point. Could, could happen. False securities. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, you've got a goaltender you trust. You, you do things you wouldn't normally do, and turn the puck over in situations you wouldn't normally turn it over. So um, having great goaltending when you've had bad goaltending comes with its comes with its positives and negatives. I think we may agree that Dubnik's not going to be at that level next year, but that doesn't mean he won't be productive in helping. I don't think they need him to be what he was last year. They've got him now. They know what they've got him. And if he is, if he is league average that Minnesota team wins three or four more games and is in a better spot for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you want to have as much of an advantage as you can going through that central division. <laughs> it's a bit of a division. Yep. I mean, the nice silver lining is that Chicago might be not the super, super power. Still, like, <laughs> still one of the better teams. But yeah, at least it's not like a total juggernaut. They they might not be, but you've still got St. Louis, you've still got Nashville, you've still got Dallas, you've still got Winnipeg. Like all of these teams, they're just hard to play against. They are all different styles of hockey. It, it's just it's a it's a sucky division to be a part of under this playoff format at the moment. And to you get out of there, I think that's what makes Chicago actually winning the Cup last year so amazing was that they had to go through what they went through just to get to Anaheim, and then beat Anaheim. So. You know, I think we'll look back on, on what Chicago did in a few years' time and just shake our heads at how amazingly good it was. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I don't like this division set. I, I, I don't like it. I do not, and the NBA have changed theirs, and I think the NHL should change the way they do theirs as well. I liked, Was it Yost that came up with the idea of the whole 16 teams and 
you just pick who you want to play against? Was that Yost? No, he wants no draft. Oh, he's the no draft guy. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that too. But I, whoever it was that came up with the um, team number one in the league gets to pick who they play against East or West, I think is a brilliant idea. Well, we had a huge podcast on that. Yeah, I just can't remember who it was that originally came up with that idea. I I don't I th- I think it was just pick your opponent, but yeah. you're, you're taking it to the next level. We were still splitting the conference eight and eight doing that. Um, yeah. You're you're saying f the conferences, f the divisions. Let's just get the sixteen best. Well, just just do something completely different to the other three leagues. Why why conform to what they they're doing now? You know what I mean? The the, the NHL. It's a totally different sport. It's a different community. It's like, well, why do you have to stick to the boundaries and the constraints to what the other three te- other three leagues do for their playoffs? The weak-ass argument's going to be we build rivalries. But that's nonsense. Rivalries are built through playoffs. Look, they play... You stick with the divisional volume of games if, if you want to try and create rivalries. Not a problem. But if you get there and you've got a team who's number one and they happen to be on the East Coast and they go, screw it, we want to go and play um, Calgary um, as their first round matchup. Um, I think it would be really and, fun. Yeah. And like you said when we did that podcast, you get there and you make an entire TV event out of it or, or whatever, whatever. Um, and you could do a, a half hour show if you wanted to really shrink it down. An hour show would be better. And you go from there. So it, it, it's and you do that after every round. I think that would be brilliant. But you know, guess what happens? You, I guess, uh, the the phrase from my daughter's kindergarten class last year: "You get what you get, and you don't have a fit." <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> so that's where we are with it. So, Minnesota have kept the team pretty much the same. I, I expect good things from them. Um, I can understand why they didn't do much. Um, I mean, they did but, re-sign Vanek two years, 6.5 each year. That's not too bad, actually. The term's not. I, 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 his skating's so bad. And it's always been that way, so it's not like a huge concern. But he's not scoring goals at the rate that he used to. At least I don't think. It doesn't seem like he is. No, but I think it comes down to... I think the problem with Vanek at times is that his classes are disappearing act when it matters, and, and that's not conducive to people wanting to pay a lot of money for you. And $6.5 million for someone with that kind of reputation is not good. No. It also makes matters worse when you're tied to a gambling ring. You're not, not the... Yeah. All right, so I'm going to hit X on the Minnesota tab, and we'll move on. <laughs> ah, to be fair to Vanek, all his offensive numbers are first line. His possession is really awful, which that actually surprises me because he's a crafty player, but he's a fourth-line possession guy, first-line offensive guy. Um, so there's that. Just that trying just, to be it accurate. Does, that was it just seemed, That just seems wrong that you can be so bad at possession yet be so good offensively when you've got the puck. So imagine how good he'd be if he had the puck more often. Yeah, but it, it can make sense. Uh, guys that are smart and pick their spots and are able to capitalize on what they get, but then maybe not 
do a lot of those other things super well. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. There's how many ways can you skin a cat, really? I get exactly what you're saying there. But he's on a very good possession team. So if he's producing at top-line levels, it's okay to have one one or two guys that they're not good possession players. It's problematic when, it, when it's a, a whole litter of players that can't push the puck the other way. So you can have a specialist like Van, offensive specialist like Vanek and, and do okay with it, if you get what I'm awesome. saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. They don't have a choice now. They've got him for another two, so um, they better work out how to make him fit. Well, uh, Nashville. I have a, a positive move. I think will be a positive move. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took the KHL's leading scorer, Steve Moses. And I'm interested to see if his... Uh, offensive production translates into the NHL next year, especially for a team that you know needs that kind of uh, offensive punch. The thing that's that's good about that is he's actually got a coach that likes players with a bit of offensive punch. If you'd said that two years ago, a guy like that going into the way Barry Trotch coached Nashville, it'd almost be a, a, a death wish. But <coughs> excuse me. But you um, you just don't know. It's going to be fun to see. And I saw, I I really didn't know much about him at all. Um, but he signed with Nashville, and then the World uh, Hockey Championships were in the spring, and it was after it he was had after made he that had sign. Signed. So I started watching him, and uh, yeah, there's there's something to be had there, maybe. Oh, cool. Just just quickly with. Ribeiro being signed again for through until the end of next season. Is there a fear that he might fall off a cliff and that might really screw him over? As far as? Well, he ended up being rather important for them as the year went along. Like, if his production drops off... I don't think it will. I think he's definitely got high-end offensive skill. He's got the legs left? yeah. Yep, he's, okay. he's always been more of a vision-centric player. Yep, I agree with that. To a fault at times. I remember watching a Capitals power play in the playoffs against the Rangers, and it was, uh, I think it was a six on four at the end of the game with the, the net pulled, mm. and Ribeiro was at the top of the circle, and he kept getting open looks to shoot. And the Rangers just let him have those open looks because they knew he'd keep uh, deferring. And it was really funny. They weren't even attempting to, to block a shooting lane because they just knew. And that was during that Ranger playoff run where, like, block shots were everything for them. <laughs> and they were just like, yeah, go ahead, shoot it. We dare you. And he just never did. So I always, I don't know why that, that's always stuck with me. But he's he's um, he's a productive player. Uh, his off ice stuff is less than desirable, in my opinion. But yeah, but it's not affecting what he does on the ice. So I suppose it's give and take a little bit, isn't it? No, no, that that was just a personal opinion. It certainly uh, doesn't take away from his on ice. No. But, uh, well, you hope it doesn't, Mike. 
that's usually when teams start caring about off-ice stuff as if it starts to affect what they do on it. But they could still use another impact forward. Uh, past Forsberg. Neil, as we discussed last week, different kinds of snipers. And Neil's uh, certainly a sniper, but not one that creates for himself. As opposed and that's to, fine uh, if you, and that's fine if you've got someone that can get the puck to him, and he does. So they lose, uh, you know, Forsberg or Ribeiro, then it's going to be interesting for for Neil. They've got stacks of cap space. If they really wanted to do something, they could. Well, sort of. For this year, you're you're not wrong at all. Here's yeah. the, here's the thing. You got Forsberg up as an RFA next year. Seth mm-hmm. Jones is an RFA next year. You're going to have to fork out for those two boys. You may... I think each of them may get five mil plus. Well, and if they both continue on the path that they had last year, could get substantially more. Like, if if it becomes Forsberg's team offensively, like out of those forward, which it very well could, um, then he would have every right to get there and say to Nashville, giddy up, pony up. And Seth Jones is in the same boat. It, it makes that, that Weber deal, which in theory they had signed. If only difficult. there was a movable asset that makes a lot of money and could get him a good return from a position of surplus. Listen, you. <laughs> I mean, I'll beat this drum forever, but whatever. No, I, look, you know I'm on board with the theory. They, they certainly don't need a Weber there, and they could get a stack back for him. Even though I now, would think now they could, yeah. Because I um, I I posed a question on my blog. Name a player that you would want to add to your team. Uh, cost of acquisition didn't matter, trade nor cap cap hit, and I couldn't believe how many people said Shea Weber. And man. He's, I guess that's a theme of our day, a bad possession, high offensive uh, production. Yep. But that's – why would you take him over, like, Eric Carlson, Keith, Doughty? I mean I, – I honestly think – Subban, some of those, Hedman. Some of those answers. I think, they're, I think they're stylistic more so than production. I mean, he mashes the puck. That's really fun to watch. Yeah, and he mashes other players, which is really fun to watch as well. But yeah, all those other guys, I, I would take Hedman if I if I could, out of all those defensemen that that you listed, I'd take him ahead of Carlson, just because he's a little bit better in his own zone than Carlson. That that'd be the only reason I would do it. I would rather a little bit more balance than the absolute offensive genius that Carlson provides. Yeah, but I was. Uh... <laughs> Uh, my my answer was Pittsburgh centric, and yeah, I want I want Carlson. Oh yeah, and that makes that makes perfect sense. I can understand that. But look, Nashville, that this central division sucks if you're a team inside it because it's all very good. Every team now has a hole in it um, that can be exploited if they're playing poorly at the wrong time of year. So, you know, Nashville's in a situation there where they really pushed Chicago and had every right to feel a little bit cheesed off that they didn't get past them. So I can see Nashville making the playoffs again, um, and then we'll see how Peter Laviolette goes year three. 
under-the-radar move for them that we've yet to bring up. Barrett Jackman for two mil, not bad. No, no, I wonder why... I wonder why he moved on. Well, yeah, I suppose he just wasn't getting the opportunity. But yes, I, I like Matt Jackman. As long as he plays in the bottom pairing, he should be fine. Underlying numbers, good. Two mil, good. I, I think yeah. that's a nice thing. That you know, just another reason to like their defense. Now, I know it sounds like I, you know, hating on Shea Weber a lot. He's still a good <laughs> defenseman. Uh, I just don't value the seven point eight that goes on for eternity. Uh, would be my point with that. But he's still obviously a very good defenseman. He's not an elite defenseman like people perceive him to be, but he's not certainly a bad player. But combine that with Yossi, Ellis, now Jackman, Seth Jones, pretty damn good defense core, perhaps the best. <clears throat> and then they just have it backed up there with Pekka Rene as well. So, Yes, definitely. Rene, solid, they're, steady. They're in a good spot there, so... If they really felt like they could go for it this year, they could fork out on cap space for a one- or a two-year deal with someone, the deadline. But we'll see. I'm trying to scan here. Oh, Blues, aptly named. They're, <clears throat> they're going in the wrong direction. They really had a nice thing going, and they they <clears throat> effed it up. Yeah, but, you know, I think they effed it up with their coaching decision. Yeah, no, I mean... I think that's the only thing they got wrong. The, the, the roster in itself... No, they screwed up roster moves. They screwed up roster moves. Troy Brower for Oshie's terrible. No, no, no. I'm talking about... before. Yeah, they screwed that up, but they screwed this whole thing up two years ago or three years ago when Hitchcock came on board. The The talent that they had on that roster was good enough to win. It's just that they, the players that they've got there aren't players that are going to be able to conform to everything that Hitchcock wants. Not in the modern NHL. It's not the 90s, it's not the Dallas Stars anymore, where you can bump and grind and drag someone down until you kill them. Um, so I, I think they screwed up that group of players that they're now starting to pull apart a little bit. I think they for, got for, unlucky, though. When they, when they had really good teams, they got a little bit unlucky. They got Chicago twice and L.A. once in the first round. I know, but if you're going to be good enough, you've got to beat them. And I know that sucks, and I know that's harsh to say, but if you're going to be good enough, you, you've got to beat them. And there are some fantastically awesome parts to this roster that never really got that chance, I think, because they were more worried about not losing rather than winning. And it just comes down from the way the coach is. So I, I, I just... Uh, the last few months... Six months or so since trade deadline. I, I don't. I mean, Tarasenko long term, obviously, that's tick, tick, phenomenal. Tick, yeah. um, but that's a, kind of an obvious one that he wasn't going to get away. Uh, Stasny signing, I, I don't have a problem with that. I know seven mil is expensive, but I think um, he's certainly not a liability. I think he's uh, not a high end center, but I think he's a good center. Steen's good. David Backus is, is is okay. I don't think he's quite the player some make him out to be, but good. Kind of my Shea Weber opinion. Good player, look, not quite. I, I enjoy watching him play. Like it, It's the thing with Backus. I enjoy watching him play. I like what he does, but he just doesn't quite get the return for the effort that he puts in, I suppose. Um, they got a hell of a decision to make on him. 
Yeah, let's just say that. Last year of his deal, he's the captain. He's 31. He's going to want one more contract. That's I, I'm, I, would, I would walk. I'd trade. Yeah. No, I, I agree. You are going to pay for past performance like no other with this power forward 31. I mean, someone tweeted out today. Gosh, I, I think it was a retweet from somebody I follow. Yeah. That the power forward contracts from last year or the year before were Nathan Horton, uh, David Clarkson, and was it Ryan Clough? Mm-hmm. Like... Not saying that Backies is quite gonna go that route, but listen, you're not gonna get like he's gonna look for a raise over four point five mil. I don't think you want to be that team. No, you don't. And if if you're St. Louis, um, you've got to convince him that if he's not gonna sign for what you want, you're gonna trade him, and he's got a no trade clause. So we really should see what happens. Would you would you rather if you were St. Louis, would you rather be in a situation where you just go, screw it, we're better off just losing the four point five and having the cap space back with no assets returned or trading to somewhere that just doesn't really help you and you don't get much back for him? I suppose it depends on their place. Yeah, and that's where that's where it gets really tough, where they are in regards to the race. But they don't have what I would consider uh I would I, would I would put their GM in the in the bottom quarter. <clears throat> I wouldn't have said that. The old, the old that. Uh, Mr. Yost method of targeting GMs more yeah. so than players. I think you would target St. Louis. He seemed to start off so well. And then it but, all sort of seemed to fall apart. But even little stuff like. Trading Ian Cole for Robert Bortuzzo—that's that's not a smart move. It, it almost feels like to me like they're going they the lost... grit way. They're going they're going grit. Yeah, this is the thing. So they lost faith in their own process, which was and fine. Think... It was just unfortunate first round opponents and goaltending that was spotty. So if you're the owner of if you're the owner of the Blues and you can see that there's been a just decisive change in regards to the processes that are made by the general manager also fire him you've hired him under the pretext of him being someone else in regards to what they think can win unless they they may have sat down and discussed we think we need to go in a different direction for this but it just feels as though this team is now in transition from going from a high skilled fast paced team to a crunch them down, slow them down, high grit team, which is what Hitchcock likes to coach with. But he's only on a one-year deal as well. I mean, if they screw all this up again this year and don't win it, I don't think Hitchcock stays. Maybe if they get to the cup finals, Hitchcock will stay. But this this roster is in between what they used to be and what I think they think they need to be, if that makes sense. Nope, it does. Uh, they have some, like, obviously we talked, David Backey's contract. Uh, Berglund's going to be out for a few months. That's not going to help them. He had, a, I no. think, a shoulder injury. Uh, Troy Brower is a UFA. Steve Ott's a UFA, but that's that's good. <laughs> Jaden Schwartz, an RFA. He's going to push that five mil barrier, probably. Um, yeah. They they signed Kyle Brodziak from Minnesota. He's, he's a, a replacement level kind of kind of player and um 
Well, we've, I guess we've kind of talked a little negative about the Blues, but they do have some okay things under the radar. They have some really good forwards. Uh, Robbie Fabry. Yep. Ivan Barbashev. And perhaps Ty Ratty. It's a little unsure if he's going to be a tweener where he lights the AHL up and can't translate it forward, but I think this will be... Uh, a very interesting training camp for Mr. Ty Ratty if he can was, make the was roster. Was part of the? Was he a part of the Halak tribe? No, he he dates back. He wasn't. He wasn't technically part of the Chris Stewart. Right. Trade. Um, Chris Stewart, Eric Johnson trade. He, he was uh, drafted by one of the picks, I believe. Yes. No, no, that's where it was. The connection was. I was just but he's to a thirty-goal AHL scorer. He, I've always thought, I looking at his junior numbers and then AHL scoring, that I'm like, okay, when's the year? When's the year? I think this kind of has to be, at least to get some NHL time. It's funny you say that though. He's only twenty-two. No, no, I know that. No, it's it's funny how we talk like that now about a guy that's 22 that it's like it's now or never. No, it's you know not now I mean? or never for him as a player. I think him as a blue. Oh, uh, yeah, that that's probably, yeah, more right. I definitely agree with that. Um, but, but I just don't think he's coming into an environment that will allow him to do that. Maybe not. Um, but he, Raddy, Barbashev, and Fabry are, are, are three interesting forward prospects. And Fabry's listed as a center here. So is Barbashev. I don't know how accurate that is. I can't speak to, I'm not experts on them. I just know that uh, I've read mm-hmm. things in the past that, you know, think highly of them. So maybe if Bacchus moves on and you got those two guys maybe filling in behind Stastny, you, you can make something happen there. Well, we'll see what happens. But I think they're the team that steps back in the division. I had them winning the division last year and did they? Yeah, they did. Oh, look at that. Um, oh, <laughs> no, I, I can't even, I think I had them winning. I, I want to say, I don't think I picked Chicago, but I, I think they're going to be the team that steps back. Yeah. Yeah. And your team Dallas, I think will step up. It's one of those things where, and here's the difference between St. Louis in Dallas, they're running a platoon system with their goaltenders as well, but they're only using 4.85 of their cap hit. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Valid, but, you know, um, like we said earlier, you you get Ben and Sagan at around 10 mil. Yeah. It's not too, too bad. But Elliot, Elliot has... Such a strange goalies. Goalies are strange, but yeah, I know. he's had some real lows, like even strength save percentages spotted throughout his career. But like he's had years where it's super high, but they always just seem to try and find another goalie. Like they There's went no out and trust. got Halak. They went out and got the Ryan Miller trade was so needless. That was a really bad trade for them. Not well. Ryan Miller didn't play great for them. But they didn't need it. No. Jake Allen, who knows? Be interesting. Uh, 
I could see someone like a James Reimer landing there after next year. I don't know what to think with this team. I really don't in regards to their decision. I know that sure. I like Tarasenko and I'll watch their games so I can see them do cool things. Oh, that goes without a doubt. Without a doubt. Is it last and least or last but not least? Uh, last but not least, because I don't mind Winnipeg. They haven't done a ton either. All right, so you've got three three parts of a three parts of a team. You've got the forwards, defensemen, and goalies. If you could just do what you wanted with this team, what would you have done? Changed what area? Stop giving money to Chris Thorburn and Anthony Peluso types. Just stop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, that's that's not good depth. Although I'll say Alexander Burmistrov coming back, I would consider that in the plus column. I think he's a good possession dude. Uh, he's got real crafty, clever-looking hands. It d- hasn't translated to NHL offense as much as you would think. But um, he's still decent, decent depth guy, especially at $1.5 million. Uh, they can put, put him in the bottom six and uh, do okay with that. Uh, great yeah. possession guy, first-line possession guy, uh, low-end third line on the offense, which... If you see him handle the puck, it's just so strange that his offense would be that low because <laughs> he's not inept. You know what I mean? He's not some plugger that just chips and chases. Yeah. It doesn't translate. Well, hasn't translated yet. So we'll see. He's been at the KHL um, last few years, uh, wanted to come back, and he's back. So that's really their only... If you want to count uh, Drew Stafford, who was already uh, acquired, he resigned yeah, for two years, four point three mil. Still need to resign him though, so that's a good. It's good that they committed to that. Um, Drew Stafford's yeah, weird though. <laughs> he had that one like super awesome year, driven by you know pretty pretty high save percentage in Buffalo. I think. Uh, was it 40 goals? Did he get that high? I think he got... Oh, I, I can't remember. But his shooting percentage was through the roof, wasn't it? Let's see. No, it's... Jeez, not 40. 31 goals, but that's a good year. Shooting percentage, 17.3%. Yeah, okay. That's pretty high. Um, his career <laughs> average is 11.1, that being 17.3. Um, yeah, so we could consider that percentage PDO driven, but he can score goals, although oh, did he have 18 last year, 16 the year before? Yeah, I mean, ever since that 31 year, it's been really scratching to get to 20 again. Yeah. But you could do worse. 4.3 mil, sure. I think the important part there is the term only two years. I think term sometimes is more important than the overall money. The flexibility of just um, not being tied in to to average players 
have. Yeah, I can I can understand that now. It's looking that way, like talent, like top end stuff is getting the long terms, and everyone else is getting the shorter stuff. And, and that's really, um, if you're the general manager, how, how you would kind of want it to be. Does this team basically just ride on Pavlik in regards to what they're going to get? If he's average, they'll probably make the playoffs. If he's below average, which has been his career up to date, they, they're screwed. Well, got to give credit where it's due last year. He was really above average. That Probably one of his better years of his career. Um, can he do it again? Uh, I have my doubts based on his uh, previous track record. Uh, his nine, well, let's see, what did he have? Nine, nine two nine, or nine thirty even strike save percentage. That's really good. Yeah, like so if for anybody. That, I think if he repeats that, and he plays fifty games, and Hutchinson plays thirty, I think they make the playoffs. If he stumbles, and Hutchinson can't step up and be you know, above average with his save percentage, then they don't make it. I, I think that's the fine line that Winnipeg set on, and it's mainly because of the division theory. If you take Pavlik's three-year average, it, it goes down to, to 9.17, which is below the league average. So yeah, last year was really good, and yeah. um, I guess I just I don't have the confidence that it'll happen again. But goalies are weird, and sometimes you can be wrong. But not a guy I'd want to lean my my team's hopes on. No, that's that's probably the tough thing for them now. Is that that is kind of what they're where they're at at the moment. I mean, who knows? He's an interesting he's an interesting case study for strangeness. Here's the nice thing about Winnipeg. They got some really good forwards coming up through the ranks. Uh, younger guys. So, let's see. Who do they got? I'm sorry. I'm trying to think. of Nick Ellers should be pretty good. Uh, Brandon Lemieux is eh, probably be a bottom six grinder kind of guy. Joel Armia is a talented sniper. Remains to be seen if it can be at the NHL level. He came over with Lemieux in the uh, Vander Kane trade. And uh, Nick Patton, a talented guy, will we'll remain to be seen if he can uh, translate that as well. But they got some, you know, at least a few options that could pull through. Yeah, so it's all there for them to go. I just have to get it done. I mean, the key thing is, what the hell do they do with Bufflin? I, I, I think Bufflin's really good. Would you stick him still in the back six or put him up front? No, he's a defenseman. He does way better things from defense. So he's not Brett Burns, who makes San Jose a bazillion times better when he's actually playing up front. And that's not suggesting he's bad in the back end. You just have to skate so much as a forward as opposed to D is as far as energy expenditure. I'm not saying D defensemen don't skate well. Obviously, they do. I think you can conserve more energy playing defense, at least in my personal experiences of doing both. You can, you know, cerebrally pick pick your spots on when to go on defense. Where forward, you, you're, you're really uh, playing at a high tempo all the time. Yeah, and for uh, somebody's uh, 
body type of, of Bufflin, I think defense suits that better. So just with Bufflin, he's going to come up. He'll be 30, I think, or 31 when his contract comes up. He deserves a raise from 5.2. Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, you don't want to... You wouldn't want to go to 35... Like, if you sign him for 8 mil, 35... That's 5 years by 8. Sorry, 5 mil. Oh, my brain's just gone. You don't want to sign him past 35 is what I'm trying to say. Because of the things you just mentioned in regards to his body type, his lackadaisical approach to conditioning... Um, you just get there and go, he deserves a raise, but how much would Winnipeg be willing to pay him to keep him? You just hear so much about him moving that you, you kind of think it's going to happen. And Being the division it is, if they're out of it, you, you could certainly see a situation develop to where, you know, trade that would make sense. No, I, I I agree. It's just it's like you you look at like St. Louis and then Winnipeg, two teams that are probably going to be in a playoff fight, have two guys coming up on expiring contracts and they're not going to be sure what they want to do with them. Andrew Ladd's an interesting one for that conversation too. Oh yeah, so I don't think I'd want to be Shivel Day off coming into the trade deadline this year. Especially since, like, what, wasn't he famously known for not making any NHL for NHL player trades before the Kane one? Correct. Like, yeah. he, he, like, never did anything? So, this is the thing. He, he's kind of going to be forced to make some courageous decisions. I mean, it could be very courageous to keep them and let them walk at the end of the year and get, a, and get rewarded by having a great result through the playoffs. Um, but if he chooses to do that, they don't make the playoffs and they do just walk for free. They're going to have a pitch tough pill to swallow. They're going to have pitchfork. It looks like what Pittsburgh did with Martin. Like, and you look, yeah. And, and you don't, you look at the, well, the Niskanen one's probably a really good example because he's good. He's underrated, man. He was always, he was always going to walk. He was never going to be able to fit salary wise into what Pittsburgh had on the table but they couldn't trade him they needed him for, for what they wanted on the ice like you just Winnipeg's to... not quite the bona fide perceived contender that Pittsburgh so is. try and try and sell that to the fan base when you say we're trading off Bufflin and yeah, we're trading the off the fan base isn't the standard for making proper decisions no I know that and if you give Shevel Day off credit for anything is the fact that he hasn't started making any of those sorts of moves, any NHL NHL sort of moves, until he thought they were ready for it. So he obviously thinks that they're close-ish. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll see. I mean, Central, God bless you if you pick the order of how those teams finish. It just... It's a sucky division to be a part of if you're any of those teams. I apologize now for that, but they're just it's so hard in there. Yeah, you could almost randomize it to an extent. Well, randomize it from one to six and just leave Colorado at seven. <laughs> but who knows? I mean, like that PDO train they rode could, could arrive again. 
If Volamov, you're exactly right. Volamov stays healthy and Vizina's out again, then that Colorado team was only nine points out of the last playoff spot. That's like five games. And Volamov playing at, at Vizina level is five games, if you think about it. So whilst, yes, I think they're a tire fire, um, they do have components on that roster that can cover a lot of holes. And away you go. <laughs> All right. So there's the central. One left. One left. Pacific. Haven't done too much research on it. Perhaps there's a lot of moves. I feel like the Ducks made some. Kings, certainly. Do Sharks. We need to, do we need to discuss Vancouver? No, that's Pacific. No, that's what I mean. That's the one we've got left, isn't it? No, we're on the central. We're done, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we so we we'll... will discuss Vancouver. Yeah. They made an addition. They have a new center. I'm sure we'll talk about him. Oh, no. Oh, God. That's actually going to be an interesting division, that one, because you've got teams that you expect to bounce back from having, you know, off-seasons, and then you've got teams that I certainly didn't expect to make the playoffs did. And you've got McDavid in there as well. It's, it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Yep. Oh, I suppose that does it. That'll do us this time. All right. We will be back next week. Uh, news updates, different topics, uh, anything that happens from now until then, and the Pacific Division best and worst moves. So... Until then, see ya.